0: Coming up this evening, live from New York City. The White House downplaying the risk of a possible economic recession. That's ahead of an upcoming economic data release which might show just that. A $3.5 billion electric vehicle battery materials plant is being planned for Nevada, a step forward for a U.S. industry that's completely dominated by China. Another Chinese rocket set to crash land on Earth. An expert says it could hit the United States. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. It's great to have you with us. Paul Graney here for NTD Business. The Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen over the weekend downplayed concerns about a possible economic recession. But she did recognize the economy is slowing down.
1: This is not an economy that's in recession But we're in a period of transition in which growth is slowing, and that's necessary and appropriate.
0: Yellen explained how many experts call a recession once we see two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth. We've had one quarter of that, and this Thursday we'll know the GDP number for the second quarter, which many economists believe will be negative. But Yellen said even if that does happen, in her eyes, that doesn't necessarily mean a recession. She says she looks at a broad range of data before calling a recession.
1: Recession is a broad-based contraction that affects many sectors of the economy. We just don't have that. Consumer spending remains solid. Um, It's continuing to grow.
0: There are some early signs of a U.S. economic downturn, U.S. business activity contracting for the first time in nearly two years in July. Also, the number of people applying for unemployment benefits has also been rising for several weeks now. Many believe a recession will hit the U.S. economy likely early next year with some investors even betting the Fed will then start cutting interest rates next year to try to revive the economy. The Fed is meeting this week and expected to announce a three-quarter percent rate increase on Wednesday in a bid to fight inflation. And the president met with business leaders today to encourage Congress to pass the CHIPS Act. That's a bill that aims to subsidize the domestic semiconductor industry, to compete with China that is. Leaders of aerospace company Lockheed Martin, medical device company Medtronic, and some labor unions also were at the meeting today as well as Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. The president of Lockheed Martin says we can't rely on other countries to supply our chips.
1: As much of the production is in China and in Taiwan,
0: access to be guaranteed for U.S. industry, including in defense industry, is fragile. You know, Should China decide to withhold its production or inhibit Taiwan from exporting its chips or, or building them? we would have a serious economic and eventually national security issue on our hands and so given the bill would provide tens of billions of dollars in subsidies and tax credits for the semiconductor industry the senate advanced the bill last week now it could pass the house later this week supporters say semiconductors are vital to the nation's economy and national security they say we've already lost a significant market share to china But those opposing the bill say it's just a massive giveaway to chip builders and will put Americans into further debt. The bill includes a broad range of unrelated spending, such as grants for green manufacturing. It seems U.S. chip giant Intel didn't need the taxpayer money to land a big new customer. In a significant deal, it will produce chips for Taiwan's MediaTek, Inc., MediaTek is one of the world's largest chip design firms. The deal may very well be the most important one since Intel launched its foundry business last year. The foundry business builds chips that other companies design. Intel didn't give any financial details of the deal or say how many chips it were producing for MediaTek, but the first products would be manufactured in the next 18 to 24 months. And Elon Musk's Tesla also wants a piece of the tax dollar pie. It's reportedly applying for public funds to build charging stations. That would require it to let other electric vehicle brands use them too. One of the big problems with electric vehicles or EVs right now is that people don't want to run out of power in the middle of the road. I wonder why. There are only over 46,000 EV charging stations in the U.S., while there are over 145,000 gas stations. Tesla has over 35,000 stations globally, which it calls superchargers. It says these superchargers can give your car up to 200 miles in 15 minutes. For many months now, Tesla has said it wants to open its stations to other car manufacturers, but it's only happened in Europe so far. Opening stations would only require opening up software compatibility, according to Electric Transportation news site Electric. And a former Tesla executive says he's going to build a battery materials plant for EVs. This would be one of the first U.S. plants to produce these important materials. It's a small step towards not depending on China, which currently dominates pretty much every step of battery production. Didis Con Fredrickson has more.
2: Tesla's former chief technology officer is reportedly planning on building a battery materials factory in Nevada, the first in the U.S. to make important ingredients for electric vehicle batteries. His company, Redwood Materials, is spending $3.5 billion on the plant, which will make the U.S. less reliant on China. China today dominates about 80% of the global uh, lithium-iron battery market. Stefan Koster is a senior policy analyst at the Information Technology and Innovation Foundation. Koster says that while China dominates, its market share is expected to drop as the electric vehicle market grows. Rather than having the materials brought to the United States to be assembled in plants that Panasonic or LG owns and operates, what we need to do is we need to build end-to-end uh, supply chains from the, the
0: basic lithium-cobalt uh, Uh, nickel, copper, etc., all those basic materials, to the more complicated anodes, cathodes, along with the cells
2: and the final packaging and manufacturing of the batteries. While the U.S. has been investing in battery production over the past two years, it's done very little regarding making the materials that are needed to make those batteries until the Redwood Materials plant.
3: They are the leader
2: in uh, recycling of the batteries, and it totally makes sense for them to be able to manufacture batteries as well. Maxim Kober is the marketing director at One Charge Lithium Batteries, which makes lithium batteries for industrial equipment. Kober says the U.S. is at a disadvantage in regards to mineral refining, a key part of the battery-making process. No, it's not that hard uh, it just requires uh, investment and the investment has to be substantiated by the um, uh, if not immediate uh, at least midterm profit the profits are, are harder in the US because of the cost of labor and because of also because of the um, strict regulations. China currently makes around 90% of all anode materials and 80% of all cathode material. The race isn't over, and they won't be the dominant player forever. Stefan Koster, the senior policy analyst, believes other countries will eventually catch up because they have enough of an incentive to do so. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News.
0: And Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is warning about China's influence in the American real estate market. He told Fox News on Saturday he thinks that companies who are linked to the Chinese Communist Party should not be allowed to buy U.S. properties. What do you think? A recent report from the National Association of Realtors says Chinese investors spent more than $6 billion in U.S. homes from April of last year to March of this year. That's more than any other foreign country. California was by far the top destination, followed by New York, Indiana, and Florida. Chinese investors are also buying more U.S. farmland, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. At the end of 2020, Chinese buyers controlled more than 194,000 acres in the U.S. That's up 1,300% from 2010. We'll keep you updated. China has also launched the second section of the Chinese space station. Beijing is now one step closer to completing construction of the Tiangong Space Station by the end of this year. The laboratory module was launched Sunday on the Long March March 5B rocket. But here's the thing everyone is concerned about. The Long March 5B is now making an uncontrolled re-entry back into the planet. To put it simply, it's going to crash on Earth. But where? Not even China knows. An expert tells entities Don Ma that China may be purposely putting people in danger by not installing safety equipment that allows the rocket a controlled re entry.
4: Brandon, thanks for being here. You know, so China launched its Long March 5B rocket on Sunday, but now the rocket's boosters is set to fall back to Earth. And this thing's massive. It weighs over 20 tons, 10 stories tall, and it's making an uncontrolled re entry. Now, Brandon, the chances of this huge hunk of metal burning up in the atmosphere is not very high, is it?
1: No, thank you for having me. Um, But uh, the Chinese don't really seem to care about sort of collateral damage. You remember a year or two ago when the Chinese government launched uh, the first part of their modular space station, uh, part of the uh, rocket that took it up to space almost crashed on uh, New York. It was you know, with, within striking distance of New York. And the Chinese uh, government, they just don't care. And we see this sort of wanton disregard uh, for the environment or for other countries' safeties, not just in space operations, but across the board when it comes to Chinese doing things on the international stage that might have negative implications for their neighbors or other parts of the world. They don't care because all they want in Beijing is the ability to have, in this case, a modular space station permanently orbiting the Earth and to enhance their capabilities in space relative to those of the United States.
4: Now, you mentioned China may not very well care about this, and you said it might hit the U.S. Can you just elaborate for us the risks, all the risks that are associated with an uncontrolled reentry?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So first, the Chinese government, of course, always says, no, no, this is not going to hit anybody. Don't worry about it. The Americans used to do this all the time during the Apollo era. It's fine. Um, But of course, we can't really take their assurances um, because they have such a bad track record in terms of safety. Um, This uh, uncontrolled reentry very well could hit Another country could hit the United States. Could hit India. It could hit any country, you know, really that's in its path. And because it's so large and it is uncontrolled, the Chinese really can only kind of guess where that that uh, booster may end up. And so, pretty much, the world needs to be on alert. And this is not a healthy way or obviously a safe way of conducting space operations. When the United States, or even Russia, or Japan, or Israel, or India, or or any other space power conducts launches. They do it in a relatively responsible manner. They calculate where the boosters are going to return, any space debris that might be generated. They alert every country that might be impacted well ahead of schedule so everybody can prepare. The Chinese, because they're a purposely opaque system, the communist system there, they don't share information. They don't want to look bad. And so um, they're not going to tell us the truth and as the Chinese space program increases its activity in space, and it is, we're going to have to always be living on edge. So the bottom line is I hope everybody in the world is insured from Chinese space debris because eventually these things are gonna hit a populated area.
4: Now, Brandon, i like to point something out. You know, The larger the space debris, you know, the more pieces that are gonna break up and fall back to earth. So what are the chances that'll actually hit a person?
1: Well, it's it increases the more that the Chinese do these space operations. And the larger, as you said, the larger the equipment that they put into orbit is. And that means that they're going to need larger boosters and larger rockets taking them into orbit. Those rockets, or at least part of them, will return to Earth. They are not uh, reusable rockets like Elon Musk and SpaceX have innovative, uh, innovatively developed. Uh, the Chinese are working on that as well, but they have this leap-without-looking mentality, so they're using whatever technology they have at their disposal. So, yes, as they increase their presence and operational tempo in orbit, those systems will crash back to Earth, and eventually they're going to hurt and kill people. It's only a question of when, not if.
4: I see. Brent Weichard, author of Winning Space, thanks for coming on again.
1: Thank you.
0: Before we go into the break, here's the market numbers today. Major indexes pretty flat actually. The Dow added 91 points, three tenths of a percent. S&P gained five points, one tenth of a percent. But the Nasdaq, no such luck. It gave up 51 points, four tenths of a percent. And with that, we could take a quick break. But still to come, stay with us. Automakers are facing a dilemma over Apple's new software that connects your car with your iPhone. What are they concerned about? And how would you like to experience the world's largest bounce house? We hear from folks near Chicago who did just that over the weekend. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Go back. Tesla boss Elon Musk is contesting the accuracy of a recent Wall Street Journal report. It alleges that he had an affair with the wife of Google co-founder Sergey Brin. But Musk took to Twitter and said the report was based on quote, third-party random hearsay and was way sub-tabloid. The report alleges that the affair prompted the Google co-founder to file a divorce in January after four years of marriage. It also said the situation put an end to the long-term friendship between the two tech billionaires. But in a Sunday tweet, Musk said that he and Bryn are friends and were at a party together the night before. He also says he saw Bryn's wife only twice in three years and both times there were many other people around and they weren't in romantic situations. An Apple CarPlay is the automotive software that connects your car with your iPhone, but the new update in CarPlay that navigates you to a fuel station and also allows you to pay through the car's dashboard requires some personal data collection. At least some car makers with a dilemma. Anthony Shaw Marshall, has the details.
1: Let me show you how it works. It's super simple.
5: Apple wants their car system CarPlay in as many cars as possible. But some car makers are not in a rush to hand over their customers' personal data to a third party and possibly missing out on potential revenue from a growing industry. There's also a concern that Apple may be using the app to conceal their market share position in the car industry. Apple has filed 248 patents since the year 2000 in self-driving and other vehicle software, as well as in hardware related to riding comfort. Herbert Diess, CEO of Volkswagen, isn't so sure that Apple will be able to get a car to the market.
0: But what they for sure will try to get the user interface in the car,
3: because the user interface will mean that you get the customer data, you get uh, the ecosystem from home into the car, and uh,
0: you get the experience in the car.
5: This is what they are aiming. A car can generate about 25 gigabytes of data every hour and as much as 4,000 gigabytes a day, according to some estimates. The McKinsey consulting firm has estimated that the treasure chest of data in the hands of car makers could be worth as much as $750 billion by 2030.
6: We'll give Craig full access. Face
3: ID authenticates the car key.
0: Who needs to go to San Diego Comic Con when we can bring you a look at the biggest news from the event? Here's the latest in the Hollywood Minute.
3: This. This is a multi-year journey you're about to embark on. Bruce Banner isn't kidding. Hollywood unleashed previews of movies and streaming projects spanning the next several years at San Diego Comic-Con over the weekend. Disney and Marvel Studios announced details and first looks at several upcoming projects including She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and I Am Groot out of rage. Warner Brothers debuted new footage from Black Adam, starring Dwayne Johnson and Pierce Brosnan, along with a first look at its follow-up film, Shazam! Fury of the Gods.
5: Your waking world is shaped
3: by dreams. Netflix revealed more of its upcoming series from the darker side of the comic book world, The Sandman, streaming August 5th.
5: Have you given any thought to where this ends? This
3: story ends with our first look at Keanu Reeves in John Wick 4, arriving in theaters next March.
0: And over the weekend in a Chicago suburb, thousands of people had a blast bouncing in the Big Bounce America. Guinness certified it as the world's largest bounce house, so how does it feel to have a Guinness record experience? Here's the story.
2: Over the weekend, thousands attended the Big Bounce America pop-up event in a Chicago suburb. The main inflatable house covers an area of over 16,000 square feet and measures 32 feet tall at its highest point. It's been dubbed the world's largest bounce house by the Guinness Book of World Records. Danielle Hodge tour manager with the Big Bounce America talks about the four main features of the event We've
6: got the main castle which is one of that's our main event that everybody comes for Uh, There's a DJ booth inside. He's playing games with the kids. There's like confetti blasts and bubbles
2: Another feature sports slam is packed with action
6: sports slam is basically like a dodgeball arena and it's got basketball hoops on the sides it's got um, some jousting sticks, just a lot of unique things you can do in there.
2: For people who want to have a speed competition, the Giant is where they can challenge each other.
6: We've got the Giant obstacle course, which is a four lane obstacle course. I think it's about 900 feet, and that's one where uh, for the little kids it's a little tougher, but the adults they have a blast on that because it's just like they're challenging each other on that.
2: Airspace is a unique space themed wonderland.
6: We've got airspace which is a bunch of ball pits you've got a really really tall slide you've got an alien there's just a lot of weird unique things you could check out and it's really great
2: heaven ross from michigan says the slide was her favorite
7: it would be the slide the big slide over there I, i don't know what the name is but i know it's really fun
2: kevin butler from a chicago suburb gives a big thumbs up to the giant bounce house
0: It was super fun. Definitely a 10 out of 10 rating. Uh, Best place in uh, Illinois by far.
2: The Big Bounce America will inflate again from Friday to Sunday, and then it will travel to Albany, New York in August. In September, it'll head to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Brooklyn, New York, and Columbus, Ohio.
0: Reporting by Angela Moy, NTD News, Chicago. And a diver and environmental activist made an exceptional discovery. That's when he located the site of a Roman ship thought to have sunk some 2,000 years ago. The history professor and archaeology lover used his cartographic GPS and uncovered the cargo of the ancient ship. He found several hundred tiles and objects under the sand and hidden among the rocks. The data he collected were then analyzed by archaeologists to confirm the sinking of the ship that could be traced back to the imperial Roman period between the 1st and 4th centuries A.D., Archaeologists say the ship's cargo was probably used for renovating coastal villas. During his dive, he also found that an iron anchor with a fracture in the spindle. That suggests before sinking, the ship was in great distress, probably due to a violent swell that pushed it towards the coast. And the Central Asian nation of Kyrgyzstan is seeking to broaden its tourist appeal by promoting what locals say, is a unique way to boost the immune system, drinking and bathing in fermented mare's milk. Andrew Thomas has more.
7: KUMIS is a popular dairy product across the region. Even the former Soviet Republic's capital, Bishkek, is named after a paddle used to churn the fermenting milk.
6: I try to come here and drink mare's milk every year in May or June before the Big Dipper is visible in the sky. I've noticed, judging from my health, that in years when I don't drink kumis, I feel weak. But when I do drink it, I don't get sick. I don't even get the flu in winter. I feel good.
7: Fresh milk or samal is also available to visitors.
2: We liked kumis and samal very much, very tasty. We decided to try it after hearing about samal and kumis from our friends who had visited Kyrgyzstan. It's very tasty and healthy. I can't even describe its taste. There is nothing in Saudi Arabia that I would compare it with. We liked it.
7: Milking mares is trickier than milking cows and requires the person to hug the animal's thigh. The process is done between mid-May and mid-July.
2: KUMIS is very healthy. It's good for the intestines and the entire body. And there are lots of tourists from the Gulf countries. And recently there are also lots from Europe and Russia.
7: VISITORS CAN CHOOSE BETWEEN WESTERN STYLE ACCOMMODATIONS AND LIVING IN A YURT IN THE MOUNTAINS TO FULLY EXPERIENCE THE TRADITIONAL Kyrgyz LIFESTYLE. ANDREW THOMAS, NTD NEWS.
0: As THE LATEST IN THE NTD BUSINESS TEAM. i MYSELF PAUL GRANEY. FOLLOW ME ON TWITTER, THOUGH, IF YOU'RE THERE. And if you have any news, tips, or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at NTD.com. We'd love to hear from you. As latest for today, thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.